Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The Cosmic Circle, the official podcast of The Cosmic Circus. On today's episode, we will be discussing Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Not just the books, not just the TV shows, we're going to be covering it at all. My name is Brian Kitson, head writer at The Cosmic Circus, and joining me today are Anthony Flagg and Isla Ruby. How are we doing today? Freezing. <laughs> That's the only correct response. <laughs> Do you not like the pits of hell that Hades is providing you? <laughs> no, I just moved away from the pit of Hades. Remember? Oh, is there a place cold? Like a, a pre-level, right? Is limbo really cold? I don't know. I don't know. Next to Annabeth's heart's pretty cold. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, uh, I knew you were wrong like that. No, no, no. no. We're going to get into it. So before we get into it, though. <laughs> Spoiler warning for everybody, we will be talking about the books, we will be talking about the show, possibly the movies, if everyone feels like talking about Are those. we allowed to talk about the movies? Do Listen, they not exist? I'm not nice. If, Vin, <laughs> if Vic was here, it would totally have to be talked about. So shout out to Vic, this is for you. We might I talk think, about him. I think we shout out Vic on every single podcast at this point. He's just, you know, so big in our hearts. He's so shot outable, as they would say. <laughs> um, so we're just going to dive in. And I want to know how you guys got into the world of Percy Jackson. Um, was it the books? Was it the television show? Was it the movies? Where did you begin? How did you begin? How did you get here? Why are you on this podcast? We're just <laughs> jumping in. And Isla, I want to start with you. What was What's your entry into oh, Percy Jackson? I have no idea how I got here. I have no idea why I'm here, who you guys are. Um, but I, I think I started reading the books, but I honestly don't remember because it's been a really long time. Um, but I would say, uh, I guess, really, it was after the movies. Um, and I think it was the first movie that I, I, I liked it. I'm terrible. I like the movie. And I don't think I liked the second one. Um, and then I just got really excited for the TV show because I love mythology and I love everything Greece. So I was just excited about that. Well, we're so thankful that your love of John Travolta and Olivia <laughs> John has brought you to this moment. Perfect. Oh, wrong Greece. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Anthony, what has been your journey with Percy Jackson? I'm still shaking my head what you just said. Uh, so shout out to Liam Curley on Twitter because he was the most passionate person I've ever seen about a series. And I was He's like, like Mr. Percy Jackson. Pretty much. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Jackson there so he always had the books and I was like all right let me just check it out I mean the series has to be good for the amount of copies they sold I got about I think two or three chapters into the first book and then I bought the other four and then I read the rest of them within like eight days I read the five books I just tore through them I didn't do anything except eat sleep and then read and work well no I didn't really work uh, I read and then I was like, I'll give it a shot. I watched the movies. Eh, I understand. Just Hollywood happens, man. Can I get that and, tattooed on my forehead? <laughs> that needs to be a shirt. Just Hollywood happens, you know. And and that's one of the most egregious ones. But, I mean, I've seen worse movies and worse adaptations. Like, if you were to say, hey, this is just a story, not based on a book, I'd like it. It was 2010. I'm going to cut it some slack. There was also like that rush because, you know, everyone's like, I want that Harry Potter money. So, hey, let me mm -hmm. find a book. Let me throw it on the screen and roll with it without realizing kind of what gave the heart of it was that they stayed true to what the series was. You watched Harry grow up and all that. That's what I, so far I like about this show is that at least from the get go, we're going for the right age. To me, that was a really big thing. So, so I will say this, and before I get into my journey of Percy Jackson, I will just defend the movies a little bit because it gave me Kevin McKidd, which if anyone knows me, I love a ginger, and he played Poseidon, and he had his original accent that you never get to hear on things like Grey's Anatomy, and it was like my second gay awakening after Zac Efron. So we're going to keep that as it is. That's the only thing good about that one. And Logan Lerman, because Logan Lerman is quite fantastic. And oh, we're going we're gonna to leave it like that. <laughs> I have one thing I will say about the movies, and it's a positive thing. When I was watching it, I don't remember if it was the first or the second one, but he was riding the seahorse, and the graphics were really incredible for the time being. In general, mm -hmm. what I was really impressed and enjoyed were when he was using the water-type powers. That was just cool. Sure, I'll note it and say, good job on that. 
I will say that I think that what you're describing too is what happened with me with uh, the last Airbender uh, M. Night Shyamalan is I did not watch the TV show before I watched the movie and I was like wow this movie's great why does everybody hate it and then I saw the TV show and I was like oh wait a second Um, but my journey with Percy Jackson is a little different because I got the book way back in the day I was in middle school and I got it out of scholastic book order because I always got to order one or two books each time because I was a book nerd did you fill and out that little like magazine thing? Every time. Every time. And it actually was the original cover, which I don't know if anyone knows this, but the original cover is it's like a white background. It has like a lightning bolt and it has like three different monsters on it. Um, and it says the lightning thief. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, I'm going to get it. And I got exactly like 50 pages in and I was like, mom, I can't read this. And I got rid of it. And I n- did not go oh. back for years. Um, until I was in high school and I read, um, the 39 Clues series, which is also began by Rick Reardon, who wrote Percy Jackson. And I was like, wait a second, these books are really good. Why didn't I like Percy Jackson? And so for one of my birthdays, I got the, someone had bought me the first five in a box set and I hadn't, I hadn't asked for it. And so I think my mom was just planning because she'd seen, I liked this author. She had forgotten. I got the other one. She bought me this and I have been addicted ever since. And so um it's it's one of my favorite series it was you know it's a little younger than for some of the later harry potter books but if anybody's read past the first five they do grow with you i mean there's a ton of books to the series um so yeah which we expertly have already covered and reviewed if you go check out on the website go read luna's stuff we also shout her out on every podcast because she's amazing yeah and vic he did the first two books Mm -hmm. of percy jackson um luna's got some of the later newer ones that came out so She's also a big fan of Percy Jackson, and she can't be here with us today. One of these days, maybe we'll get her on a podcast, but uh, she absolutely loves Percy Jackson, and it's one that she has read with her children already, so big fans, big fans. Um, That being said, uh, it sounds like we did watch the films prior to the shows. (laughs) Well, um, so what are our general thoughts on them? Oh, go ahead. Did you guys rewatch them? But I think that might be the question that you were just going to talk about. I only watched it. I read the books. I watched the movies all last summer or whatever, you know, just kind of over two weeks. Did you rewatch them, Ayala? No, but I kind of want to now. Really? Okay. (laughs) Um, I think they're on Max. I think the thing that's interesting about the films and why I is is that they really were watered down stories. They're like they're they're the premise of the story, but there's just so much watered down because they move so quickly. That I think the show is off to a better start, or it has better potential because it's the long form here. It's um, always, and... it's always the risk though too. That when you adapt a book, when you adapt something into a movie versus a TV show, you don't necessarily get to spend that much time with the characters. It's it's like hard figuring out. Okay, you're going to adapt this chapter. You're just going to skip this like this character, this storyline entirely, and it's going to leave it leaves some people disappointed which I think someone mentioned earlier, it was a really interesting point. Um, you, I think you mentioned it about Avatar that you, you know, you hadn't been a fan of it beforehand. So you thought the movie was like really good. It was a great story, right? Yeah, and then yeah absolutely. You got further into it and like, oh, this is why everyone hates it. There's always like true fans. I guess there's always that disappointment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that there may be, be some I, you know generally i think that the responses have been positive towards this percy jackson adaptation but i know people like vic they really did like the movies and so i know that's kind of when you read his book reviews he compares the books to the movies because that was his like sounding board for that so i think it's just interesting on where you began and how you began and then how you compare the show to the rest of them but speaking of the show percy jackson and the olympians what are our general thoughts about this TV show? We are now five episodes in to an eight, or is it 10? I think it's 10. I think we're I it was halfway. Eight. Is it eight? I so we're just over well. halfway through. Um, Anthony, how, what are you thinking about this series so far? I'm about to break so many hearts. I'm, I like it, but I'm not like in love with it. Just, just not. Wow. Yeah. I'm shocked. I know you. And I remember, I was hyping. I was all excited, and I was one of the most vocal ones about it. But you know what? It's that's not necessarily a bad thing. Okay. And okay. it's, it's going to be a hard sell on my part. But essentially, is 
kind of think about other shows where that first season was just okay and you liked it, but then as further seasons progressed, they got better. And now you're going to be like, why? That mostly happened with comedies. And I'm going to think like The Office, Parks and Rec and other ones. I know this is an entirely different genre, but you also have the growing pains of learning with these young actors this first season. I know Walker's done stuff, you know, on the Adam Project, but a a whole series, a TV show is completely different from a movie. So not just that, but they get further progression as characters go along. This is how you start off with Percy. You know, he's thrown into it just as much as you are. Um, but I think the reason why I'm not in love with it is because I'm expecting it to be like a little bit faster and the show is actually breathing and fleshing things out. And I'm a little bored because I move quickly with things. When I got that book, I went through it like that. I read it within 24 to 48 hours. I was through with it. And in this show, I feel like it's dragging his feet, but it's because of that weekly release. So maybe when the whole show comes out as a, when the whole season comes out and I can go through it, I'll probably love it more than I do now. But as of right now, I'm just entertained. You know, what's interesting about that is when I wrote the review, because I got the first three episodes early, I had a very similar feeling with the first episode. And I actually had told my my family after the, my review came out and I was, I was talking with them. I said, I understand why they're dropping the first two episodes together because I don't think people would be necessarily uh engaged with that first episode if they didn't have two of them because it really took to like the beginning of that second episode midway through to really get an idea of what's going on because the first one is what the first chapter maybe the first three chapters of the book it is it doesn't it covers a lot but it also not a lot happens in that correct and and what's interesting too and granted it's been a while since i've read the first book but they also downplayed some of the stuff because like the action at the museum in the very beginning of the book he blacks out in the show, you know, he like gets hit in the head. He kind of fades out. Like they didn't put like the effort into that fight that kind of happens with, with the the teacher, mostly because they wanted the teacher to continue on as a character throughout the series, which was an interesting choice, but it also kind of works out. Um, But it did, it did kind of slow down. I can see what you mean. I think that when I got to binge watch those first three episodes, it made a difference. Yeah, that's that's interesting too because i think in the books they spend a lot more time at um at yancey right because there are these conversations where um where percy like overhears uh grover and um, Chiron. chiron yeah talking about electo like there's all these all these moments just inside the school um and we don't get that here but i think the big thing that having the two episode premiere allows us to have is annabeth and she's so important to the sh- like to the books to the series and i think you know we don't see her in that first episode i think we meet her right away in the second episode and i think that's just really important that we for viewers that they get to have that time with her establishing those grover and annabeth is kind of a huge deal yeah you're right Absolutely. I mean, because the show, as much as it's called Percy Jackson and Olympians, this is really a show about the three heroes of mm-hmm. Percy, Annabeth, and Grover. Um, Same thing with Harry Potter. I mean, it wasn't just him. Hermione mm-hmm. and Ron were just as much a part. We know that. Sure. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, one of the things I did like about this uh, this adapt- adaptation is that there is a bigger emphasis on Annabeth and Grover, which the movies did not, because obviously you had to speed through the movies. But you do get more time with the personalities of Annabeth and Grover. Specifically for me, I love Annabeth. I think uh, she she's fantastic. Uh, the actress uh, Leah Sava Jeffries, mm-hmm. fantastic, perfect. But Grover, oh my gosh, he is Ar- my man. Arian uh, Sim Simdry, I think I'm not totally sure on how to pronounce it. Simhadri. Simhadri, yes. Yeah, sorry. Yes, uh, Simhadri is absolutely to me the heart and soul of this entire show and i would die for grover but that is just me um what do you what are you liking about this i mean i i really think the series is fun um i've been watching it with my daughter and Mm -hmm. like as we watch it she just keeps saying this is so intense this is so intense um 
And, you know, I like for her and for me, it's something that holds her attention. She gets like, sometimes watching longer things are a little bit hard for her. And I really appreciate that, like, she's just totally focused on that, this and interested. So this is like, that's like the high level parent perspective on it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's just a really well done show overall. I think that it looks great. It looks, Looks um, it does, right? Like, it's amazing the VFX, all of that. Like, I can't believe this is TV, right? Because I'm still in the world of like Xena and Hercules from sure. years ago, and it, it doesn't look anything sure. like that. It looks better. Um, not not just television, but like we are in the the era of like like Marvel television and like Marvel TV mm-hmm. shows and like Godzilla and like oh, for yeah. a children's show, this is really good. Yeah. yeah, and I know they had like and they didn't have an, a huge amazing budget right they had to make changes they're like the dude with the eyes uh, i'm totally blanking on his name that was going to be Cyclops? Camp. tyson no there was like a guy uh, the security guy from the camps and he was like in the books described as being yes. totally covered in eyes and i yes. think oh yeah yeah yep. yeah yeah and the yeah. show talked about having him in it when it was first announced but then they were like no we couldn't show that because like having a dude covered in eyes would just be like prohibitively well, yeah, and prohibitively mm-hmm. expensive for VFX and like yeah. just mm-hmm. in general. But I just think it looks really good. Um, the music is great. Bear McCreary's uh, score. He's a dude who has done Outlander and all sorts of other things. It's just really, um, it reminds me of like Marvel in some ways. It's just like, you know, that queue up. Mm-hmm. It's really, really good. And I actually also really love the title sequences. Or I guess the end title sequences. Yes. yes. They're, they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I yes. just have we've talked about like all the the story elements the character elements but like there's just these little flourishes and finishing touches that make it um make it amazing you mentioned that and it made me think of something from this week's episode um when they're going through Havesta's story the the manner of using the old style of the greek boss you know vase whatever that that are going across like utilizing and mm-hmm. respecting the source of the culture too like that's incredible it made me think of the animated hercules movie when they're yep. when they're you know telling the story in the beginning and i mean come on disney that's one of I, yours i was totally not expecting by the way to have that um along to like what is love and I they know. even had the vase dudes like bumping their heads like yes. from the yes. snl sk- like i like that just made me so happy from the movie roxbury I mean, it was, I think it was an SNL skit beforehand, but that was many years ago. Of course, yeah. That was 30 years ago. (laughs) Sorry, I was going to say Will Ferrell, he was in in SNL a longer time ago. Um, Anthony, what are you you liking about the show? Oh, she just mentioned like the music. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's spot on. Uh, Like I was saying earlier, like the sets are fantastic. Uh, I really love Riptide, man. And seeing that sword and its actual glory is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grover's legs actually being like legs, because I rewatched episode five, you know, a couple hours ago when I woke up. Mm-hmm. And I, I hadn't paid full attention, but when I'm seeing him walk on the bridge, you can actually see the like skinny legs underneath and the outline. Just mm-hmm. the little details making it look good, but not overdone. Mm-hmm. Uh, really enjoyed episode four that finale of how he came out of the uh I, i'm not from that state i don't know that area what are they called what is that oh, the river called? in st louis i don't know either the st louis uh arch the arch oh arc like, to try. no that's not the arc to try you know what no, i mean like it is it's called it's, like the st louis the, Ar- yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's the st louis yeah. arch it just took me a minute to click uh but it's the, the mississippi the, river sorry yeah but the arch itself like that explosion and how they actually left it looking after the fact and how they yanked um percy with the water into it like those effects are just great overall for a series man they're gonna do great and what excites me is knowing that they've already put in some of this work when season two comes in they can use some of that budget towards introducing new characters Mm -hmm. so i'm I'm just very happy the gateway arch yeah i just Uh, looked it up gateway arch I apologize to anyone from that region. I'm just a, I'm just a <laughs> Texas boy who don't know nothing. Uh, so, you know, one of the things I do love about the show, too, is that they did, you know, they made some changes, but the changes were actually to make to, to make improvements upon the original material. And the fact that they brought in Rick Reardon to be, you know, such an, uh, uh, a big part of this. And he wrote, you know, he helped write some of these episodes, especially the first two. Um I know that he's even mentioned in some interviews about like the changes he made to Medusa. And I thought 
that was one of the most beautiful episodes I've ever watched of television where they actually gave Medusa her due instead of being mm-hmm. this this horrible monster. Like, don't get me wrong, Uma Thurman in the original, love Uma Thurman, but like she's a monster. But this one made her compassionate. And um I think that is really brilliant that they kind they brought in the creator, but not in a way of like JK Rowling writing the cursed child and you know, like things like that, but like really trying to like enhance but also step back and be like you know working with uh jonathan steinberg and like trying to make this such a better story and adapt it to a television and changing some of the things i think i think it's been just that part has been really brilliant too when i am so i interviewed the the showrunners at at comic-con and they talked about what um like what a big thing it was to become part of this family and like the reardon's to them this show is their children it's so like connected with their family it is like percy jackson i'm sorry percy jackson is like their babies um Mm -hmm. so wasn't it yielded from telling bedtime stories to his kid i mean it's something like that i don't remember exactly how but like it was very i think um you know the, the fact that he came back after you know his criticisms of the movies after the problems he had with the movies and the creative processes mm-hmm. and you know they were willing to give this another try and it's mm-hmm. you know turned out very well i think that just speaks very highly of everyone involved um and it's i think you know I, i'm just glad we didn't lose that chance and lose those stories mm-hmm. Even through production, remember, he was constantly tweeting saying, we're doing this. We're excited. We've got the cast locked in. We're going to tell you in a few days. Mm -hmm. I've been walking around. They've been taking my notes. Like, it's good to hear Mm -hmm. that they've been very um, cooperative with him. He deserves Mm -hmm. it. I mean, it's this has the absolute potential to be huge. And I'm going to make a huge prediction now, but I don't see them stopping with the series. They'll probably pull a Mandalorian and Grogu and you know, go a couple seasons and then throw a movie up on the big screen. These kids deserve it. They're doing a great job. The biggest problem with, so they've talked about further seasons, right? And adapting further books. But the biggest problem with all of that is kind of a practical one because you're dealing with children and children age. Like, Mm -hmm. it's it's just life. So like, Mm -hmm. you can even kind of see it a little bit in the series as like the episodes as they go on. Um, Like Voice changes. Yeah. They're subtle, but you can hear them. Yeah, so I think, like, I'm sure they can figure it out, but, like, it, it's a thing. Like, I watch... Only... Pa- Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Like, I watch Paw Patrol a lot, and I've watched a lot of Paw Patrol. I think I mentioned that before, <laughs> and they're always changing the voice actors because, you know, they're kid voice actors in many cases, and then when the kids get older, their voices change, so they have to go back to someone with a younger voice. Mm-hmm. I think, you know... No, it's good insight, yeah. I think that even if you look at the um, the premiere, if you see them at the premiere, those three, you know, those three actors, they're like mini adults now. <laughs> they're 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 big children. Yeah. Um, I think there's a reality you could do this, and I think part of it has to do with how you adapt the story and how you have more time pass. And the part of me wonders how they're going to do this too with with Harry Potter when it become you know it's becoming a series. They're going to get kids. They want to get eleven year olds. And so if you're not putting out a television show every single year, you're going to run into this problem too. But I do think that there's a reality they can do it. Um, I think that you're going to start to see that instead of having a story every year in the the world, you're going to have to start telling it a little differently and spreading it out. But I hope they do more. <laughs> you you know. Another thing is they always had that like summer break. Who's to say that he doesn't just continue adventures through the summer? <laughs> I know it's kind of a crazy play, but hey, that's been done before. I think, um, you know, it's interesting too that I think that was part of why they had gone with Logan Merman, right? Because he was mm-hmm. older and they, you know, I, you could have like had more stories technically with, with him if they had decided mm-hmm. to go that way because of his age. Um, but, you know, I don't. Like this isn't going to be a Paul Rudd and Clueless situation. I think they're going to figure <laughs> figure a way out. And he was a teenager in that movie. He's always yeah. looked young, but yeah. so what are you what are you thinking? Are you think that they're not going to continue, adapt all five books? No, I think they totally are, and I think they're going to do it um, more rapidly than we expect. With streaming, we've you know come to expect like two years between shows or three years, but for network TV, it was always okay. You have a new season every single year, and I think you know that might be what we see here. Um, And they might shoot things back to back. It makes me think, too, of like how, you know, 
everyone made a big deal but about Marvel adapting now to being television shows, but we all know that this is actually a part of the different contracts from the different strikes. I think that you're going to, again, start to see things like that, where these shows are going to be adapted a lot quicker. You're going to have one a year, especially with this one, especially as you start to expand. I mean, you have the Heroes of Olympus after this. You have the 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 um, Norris God ones that's part of this. If they can get the rights to the Egyptian God ones, because I know that Netflix has those right now and they were going to make movies and they never did. Netflix needs to let them go. You have such a big world and you can continue to do these really big things. You now have books where Percy's going to college. Like mm-hmm. there's, it's so expansive and the story continues to grow. And I, I think that a story that began because he was trying to help his daughter who was dyslexic and feeling bad about it, I think is adapted is growing into something bigger. And I think there is a reality. And I think you're right. It's changing with the way streaming is changing and that st- streaming is becoming more like television because we're all cyclical in our growth. I think, um, you know, it makes it easier to gain fans that way too. If you have, mm-hmm you can kind of plan on having something you kind of know when it's going to be on and it also isn't so long between seasons so you forget everything that happened unless you're an absolutely rabid fan like I really like Shadow and Bone and they're based off of um, a bunch of books by Lee Bardugo and I don't remember if it was like three years between season one of the show and season two or like four years it is a long time and I didn't remember anything that happened in season one even though I had read the books and stuff before season two came out and I don't think we'll have this situation with Percy Jackson. I think we're going to, you know, rapidly be near the next season. And when I talked to the showrunners and everybody at uh, New York Comic Con, they said as much. They said, you know, we haven't gotten officially, you know, greenlit by Disney, but we've got like everything in place. Right. So does that mean technically that they are, quote unquote, like writing behind, like they already have episodes starting to be written behind the scenes without saying things? I mean, I think they're already written. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's dope. That's but cool. that's not uncommon, right? You know, yeah. that's they bank scripts often. Sure. I mean, I feel like again with this kind of series, you have to. I feel like even I won't say it, but I have a feeling that some people were writing during the <laughs> during the strikes, and they can say I, what they want. I don't. I, I I don't agree with you there. I think really. I I yeah. I mean, so there's the designation. Like maybe if they were producing things but i think that um most of the people like i would say actually everybody in the wga took it really seriously and it um and as they should i don't think they were writing very strikes wow so you don't think that there's people in their basements with like soundproof boxes that were just writing for their own pleasure to make sure that they're keeping up with things that they wanted no because they're not being paid and that's part of it. like why even if you love something like that, like you you should be paid for your work, and you know yeah. the studios don't deserve to have your work for free. You're that's worse. fair. You, that's fair. You are you have your worth, man. You know this more than anybody. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> okay, so um, can we age Carter if, here? No. <laughs> um. So what do we think of the friendship between three between our three heroes? Like, how are we feeling about their interactions? Do we like it? Do we want? Do we think there needs to be changes? Do we like the growth? What are, what are we feeling? You love, I love it? it? I love it because that's the thing. It's 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 not real life that you just meet someone, shake their hand, and immediately become best friends, and everything is fantastic. You have to have those struggles that they're currently having to strengthen the friendship. Look at this last episode. Mm-hmm. Percy proved himself far beyond any words could ever do by actually showing up and doing it and saying, "Hey, look." I'm going to do this because this is the right thing. And I need you to do that because I picked you for that reason. Prove me right. You know, in this and, last episode, and, there was, there was a part with that where it actually broke my heart where Annabeth's, I forget what she says or how she says it, but something paraphrasing along the lines of what are you going to shove me behind the door again? And like that hurt real bad. And I was like, man, this really shows you how much these, these kids are, have grown to, to like each other. Or even the part where Annabeth is like, uh, careful there, or I think you say we're becoming friends. And I'm just yep. like, damn, that is mm-hmm. their I, interactions. They're are great. I think so. I think we've been able to see kind of the arc of their friendship really well so far. Like they, you know, we've seen, we didn't see Grover and Percy's first meeting because they had already met at Nancy Academy. That was already established, but we did see um, what Percy thought and what we all thought, thought was Grover's betrayal which was really, you know, Grover being a satyr and protecting Percy. And I think that was forgiven, but always in the back of Percy's mind. 
um, the relationship with Annabeth is slightly different. And we've seen uh, Percy and Annabeth earn that relationship and earn that friendship. And like we, I think we hit the moment that their friendship is at the high point in this episode five, right? With with Hephaestus and um, and Annabeth saying like that Percy is good. I want to be good too. I maybe used to be good. And then all these like terrible people at Camp Half-Blood and all these terrible like gods just seeking glory got to me. I don't want to be like that anymore. Um, and I think it's been really fun to see develop over the like episode two through through now. Um, and I really can't wait to see what what's in store for the rest of their friendship. I mean, I don't know from the books, but it's still exciting. <laughs> Spoiler alert. We yes. all know where this is headed. And yeah. those who Percy think Beth? that grow. Yeah, and everyone that thinks that's Grover and Annabeth are getting together. Get this is not a oh, this is not a Harry Hermione <laughs> kind of thing. Who? No. Harry and Hermione, everyone thought that they were getting together in Harry Potter, and then that didn't turn out to be a thing. But <laughs> Annabeth and Grover, not a thing. This is oh, Percy and Annabeth. Come on, guys. But no, l- literally, I love the fact that they did not start off as friends. I feel like we try to get those. I think we see a lot in kids like books of like we become best friends from the beginning and we just stay together and like no they actually earned this i think it's even better than the books again i haven't read the original books in a while but i remember there being a lot of um like kumbaya very early on um and then there was like some betrayals came on are you sure about that because in the books she kind of whooped his ass once or twice. <laughs> okay, no, but I'm saying, but that happened, and then they got to like they became they oh, trust each other very quickly. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd say it's on par, but the the show actually like made it good. <laughs> I I don't I don't mean to say that in like the worst way, but like it made it like really uh, earned. Uh, and again, I think this goes back to having Reardon part of this and like a developing. And, you know, taking things like Medusa's story. And I heard, and I don't know if it's true. I know it's going to be the next episode, but I heard that, like, the hotel scene is done a lot differently. The the casino. The Lotus um, Eaters in, yes. in Vegas. Yeah. And they changed those because he realized after all these years that there, it it wasn't the way he wanted it. And it, it, it felt wrong or it felt different and he wanted to do it differently. And so to see these changes and have him be a part of it and saying, okay, these are how the characters should develop and getting to know them and... I think that it's been really exciting to see these three kids become friends. I think when you said that, um, when you made the point that it's not something you always see in, in children's stuff, that's completely true. And I think it's something we're more used to in like grown up shows, right? We can see like partners in a detective show, but earning Loki their partnership. And Mobius, for example. Yep, exactly. Yes. That that was that's a perfect example of yeah. it. Like they didn't start out as friends. They were, you know, at opposite ends and they through the series they became spoilers for Loki. Um, yeah, spoilers for Loki. But then <laughs> the became... acquaintance but then the acquaintances then friends, then really good friends. It's not yeah. like oh then lovers. Right. Like I mean Jet eventually skiing into the into the <laughs> sunset. Jet jet skiing into the sunset. Uh <laughs> Uh, but but like you yeah exactly like it's it there were steps to it like first mm-hmm. you know she sees him whoa ho, he's one of the big three kids hell no 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 you mm-hmm. are my enemy nothing to do with you and then there's like this level of respect like oh okay you know how to defend yourself you have that optimism courage and the willpower which a lot of people don't even exhibit amongst mm-hmm. these you know elite group of children and then even further shocking her, like he makes the decision when he could pick anybody in the camp. He goes, I want you. And that's different than the books, right? Because in the books, she does he doesn't pick her. It's, he doesn't pick. She yeah, gets exactly. chosen for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting too how in the beginning, like we see her totally willing to use him. She's been like she watches every new person come into camp and she watched him because she wants to go on this quest, because she wants to get the glory and make her mom love her, all this other stuff. Um, but you know, she's, she's just totally willing to use him and that changes it changes as their friendship grows and it becomes more about their, their goals together instead of just her getting out. Yeah. And, and look at the opportunity Hephaestus prevented her, pre- presented her like saying, Hey, you want to make your mama love you through this guy, get out of here, you know, go. You know. Right. You know, you bring up another point about another change from the book is that 
in the books they have the oracle who makes all the decisions and there is an actual change of oracle as they go through the the, the book series mm-hmm. um but it's all prophesized and so and none of them really question it because that is how greek gods is is done but what this <laughs> really presents which i loved in this last episode they talk about it is that it presents this this big battle between uh like prophesized and free will and Percy's on the the side of i can change anything and then we have annabeth who's on the side of you can't everything is going to happen exactly the way it's supposed to because it needs to um and i think that that adds another layer specifically for the adults watching this because i don't know if the kids watching this are gonna catch on to that quite so much but that is just another layer for those who grew up reading the books like like maybe some of us who are listening and like i, I again i read these in high school you're going to have an extra layer of like, oh, this is an extra dilemma and an extra, we, we know something else for us to eat, like, and to, to, to chew on and to give these characters some extra depth. And I think that's really kind of awesome. So who stands out in this series? And I'm going to start with this one. That's okay, too, because, oh, Aries. I love Aries. I did not know if this man was going to be a good actor. <laughs> he was a wrestler. We have The Rock and we have John Cena, who are not necessarily great actors. Do not insult Mermaid Barbie. Okay. I'll <laughs> insult Peacemaker. <laughs> Fuck that show. Um, do we but, need to do the dance? I feel like we need to do the dance. But the, whatever his name is, he plays Edge. The Edge. I know. Uh, the Edge. Adam Copeland. Adam Copeland, he is one of the best people in this show, hands down. And this is a show that has people like Jessica Parker Kennedy, Megan Mullally, uh, Jason Mantazukas. Uh, yes, we have so Lin many. Manuel great... Miranda. Hey, listen, we love Manuel <laughs> Miranda, but he is not a great actor. So, like, <laughs> we're... Um, Timothy um, Omenson from Psych. Like, yes, we have a tons of great people. And I think that Aries might be my favorite. And it, it was one episode, but I was just like, not only was he hilarious, he was actually a good actor. I looked at yeah. this man's acting credits. He does not have like a like a notable movie to his name, really. Why is he not in more stuff? I think it's going to change. It has to. I think I they mean, need a whole spinoff series of Aries. I'm sold a prequel i want to see the prequel and i know um, there are some people talking about it online about like his life and all that i would totally watch that because he was just freaking fantastic um absolutely absolutely what is what are what is a standout character or actor or like what is what is who is a standout person for you for this series isla oh boy um so I really, really, and I'm so happy you mentioned him. I really, really love Timothy uh, Amundsen. And yeah. oh I gosh. like Psych is my, one of my favorite shows in the entire universe. And he is Detective Lassiter in Psych. And, you know, he, he had a lot of health challenges. He had uh, a, a Lassie. He had a, uh, uh, he had a stroke. He had, and, you know, he's, he's come back to that with some physical issues. And I loved that the show kind of embraced that. Um, and embrace just everything that was Hephaestus because Hephaestus in the books too was you know was described as just like this terrible like I don't, I don't even have the words for how he was described in the book but he had he had some very big challenges and I love that they kind of accepted that leaned into it and also showed um how much Hephaestus was hurt and how much Hephaestus you know had kind of gone through in this like trial between Ares and Aphrodite and all that like the the softer human side of the gods and I just love that they picked Timothy Amundsen for that. I didn't know he had a stroke in real life. I thought that mm-hmm. because yeah. usually Hephaestus has like some form of like, like bad leg, you know, um, I think it's from his father being injured. So I thought that was just like a, like a. No, the actor, the thing. actor had like a, a, he, he almost died. I think it was like a very. Oh my gosh. He sold that part. Hephaestus has, for some reason, has always been one of my favorite characters in the Greek mythology. I think just because this idea of like being in love with someone that like you love someone so much, and then you also just have to see them be in love with someone else is like so heartbreaking. And I think that from a very young age, I I, I felt that for some reason. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, hashtag being gay at a young age. Um, but he was he was really good, and this episode was very touching to see him. Um, I think that I would rather have had him in a different episode so he wasn't outshined by Ares, but like, <laughs> uh, he was fantastic as his Festus. 
Yeah, I'll what pick my you? two. Yeah, I'll pick my two. So I don't. Oh, okay. I, I liked Gabe. You know, you really needed a big POS, and the guy portraying is doing a great job. So that was Gabe cool. Ugliano, or or yeah. however name. Yeah, that's <laughs> the name. Gabe Ugliano can't beat that. Oh, I mean, but we really, truly, they got some great actors Heavy lined hitters. up for the rest. Of, like, yes, Lin Manuel Miranda is going to be a big one for people. <laughs> um, I saw the I saw the behind the scenes shots. He looks like he is Lin Manuel Miranda just playing Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> so I am keeping. I love him. Don't get me wrong. I would I I would see him in everything. I would have saw him in Hamilton. Um, Lance Reddick, uh, R.I.P. for Zeus. He is going to be a big heavy hitter. Uh, Toby Stevens is Poseidon. I mean, like we have some serious big names still coming up. Mm-hmm. So, and we haven't seen them yet. And we're mm-hmm. we've yet, you know, they're they're at the last three episodes. So it will be very interesting. Yeah. Oh, and Jay uh, Duplass as Hades. Sorry, sorry, Jay. Um, That's the one I'm most excited about because he's he's not a standout actor, but I've seen him in a few things, and he'll show up and get the job done. But he's not been in a whole lot. His brother is even like a bigger name, Mark Duplass. Like, yeah, Duplass. from uh, from the league. Yeah, um, he was also on Celebrity Jeopardy. That's where I know him from. So, <laughs> I think he actually won. I could be wrong. <laughs> um, but I so I'm really excited for what's lined up. I think that we have a really good three last episodes. Um, someone that's not on the list, which is interesting. I don't know if they cut the part or not, but um, we should be seeing uh, uh, Hades' Hades's wife, and she's Persephone? not on the list. Yeah, she's not on the list of known actors, so that's interesting. interesting. Um, hmm. But they, she has big shoes to fill because we had Rosario Dawson in the film, so yeah, can't beat Rosario Dawson. That you know, one sad. thing I'm interested though that they haven't mentioned mm-hmm. at all yet is is big spoiler, but everybody knows at the end that Dahlia comes back. Like, are they gonna do that? Are they gonna like accelerate that and have make that the big hop, maybe post credit scene or mid credit scene at the end of that last episode? What do you guys think? I thought she didn't come back to question. book three. Right, I understand that, but for the sake oh. of timing and the youth and about that conversation we had earlier of how they're going to move things along, do you foresee a possibility? I think they're going to wait, or maybe just do it somewhere in second season or third season. Knock on wood. I think that the 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 the, the end of the first season post credit scene is going to be um, uh, the the casket. Oh, yeah. and they're going to tease the casket, and I think that's really going to change quite a bit. Yeah, so that's a good one. That's a good one. I didn't think about that. Because they need a big bad that's going to connect it all now. And this story is very going to be self-contained for the first book. And I think that by introducing the casket and seeing it maybe start to come to life is really going to change. People are going to wonder what what's going on. What is that? Got to go read that book. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, that, they, um... they haven't been subtle about mentioning Thalia and what no, happened to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they've definitely been like leaving these very you know huge titan sized breadcrumbs um, for us to follow eventually. Sure, absolutely. And speaking of possible changes, what do you think is going on with Sally? Are they going to save her? Do you think they're going to make any changes? I <laughs> hope that they don't kill Sally because that would be heartbreaking. But there's been a lot of overshadowing, you know. And granted, that's what the first book's about—is going to save his mom. But what do we think is going on? I wouldn't say they killer but he might put her in some weird purgatory to really annoy percy and make him go through tasks like hercules okay i i think she'll always be a risk to percy as long as she's alive but that's okay mm-hmm. um i i hope they don't kill her yeah i will say this in the books she ends up leaving the the stepfather and becomes like right like in her own right like very powerful and yeah. i hope that they embrace that and like just make her very powerful and um she deserves it i mean from what i remember i think she gets with another guy who's actually decent to her and yes and percy meets her and he's very happy because she's finally like living Mm -hmm. a decent life and she's not struggling for once so Mm -hmm. i I hope that's what they give her i think they teased it a little bit because you know how she is with gabe um in in the early episode is very different than how she is in um or how he is rather in in the book He's, I think, much more abusive, much more yes. um, mm-hmm. 
yes. just very forceful with her and she has a lot more agency in mm. in this one she like pushes back she puts him in his place a little bit with the sandwiches and you can kind of see him and you know and all credit to the actor and what he brought to this like cowering a little bit and you know responding to her standing up for herself so i thought that was really sure. um lovely to see especially message wise mm -hmm. absolutely speaking of messages of percy jackson and olympians this show deals with a lot about grief and i know isla that you wanted to touch on this because this was really <laughs> important to you I, um, I just was messing with you because we, we well, now so we're gonna, we, we, we now we're gonna talk a, about it yeah we, well we've had you know uh, so many things boil down to grief and you've written these amazing articles go read him he's a cosmic psychologist about grief and you know i think the wonka article is out is it not yet no the, okay so brian has a wonka article coming out you should read it when it comes out it might be out by the time this comes out so you know what <laughs> lizzie if it is keep this if it isn't keep this in if it is keep it up you know <laughs> um yeah that one's actually to do with um motivation but part of that is grief and if you want to talk about grief in here i think that there's a really interesting um dynamic of grief in the fact that i think that every child that is at camp half-blood is dealing with grief in a different way and that's the grief of having an absent parent and a lot of them um just don't you know, people think of grief as grief has to be loss. You're losing someone. Um, but grief, grief also has to be like when someone's still around, but they're not there, you have to go through that process. You have to, to overcome that loss. And this show does a really good job of showing that you have Annabeth who is trying her hardest to prove to her mother. Um, and you initially have Percy who doesn't necessarily care about his father, but now he seems to have something to kind of prove. Um, and you're going to show see spoiler alert Luke. You're gonna see his story <laughs> and how he becomes a villain because of his grief of being left out and not being seen. And like all of these kids, they're so broken and they're so hurt. And and I Rick Reardon did a really good job of that in the books. And I think that it transferred really well to the show that there are all grieving in different ways and there's loss and percy who's lost his mom but then has a chance to get her back and he's going literally to the ends of the earth and to hell to get her and to find this lightning bolt and to stop a war all because he wants his mother back and i think that any one of us has someone in our life that we would go to the ends of the earth to save and so it's it's interesting when you can take such a such a human concept and place it in such a uh a big magical world yeah when you think about it there's you know there's a lot of emphasis emphasis as they're doing the world building talking about camp half-blood and all this stuff that you know the kids are just kind of in this cabin with with hermes those kids if they're unclaimed and that's just like such a harsh thing to like think of these unclaimed children and i just feel that has got to be the like most worst feeling of rejection sorry right? i don't want you so go pretend to be someone else's kid until if i feel like it i if might you honor me yeah i might say you're mine like i know i have blue eyes and blonde hair and i control the water <laughs> what the hell else do you want you and that that's a great point that all of these kids and later on in the books you actually get more cabins and one of the cabins is for um uh, Zeus's first wife, and I'm she's the goddess of hearth. Um, not Hera, but, right? No, not Hera. Um, but anyways, she can't have children. Um, Hectate, is it Hectate? Um, that's Sounds that's like not the one. Could I'm be right. Um, but there's one of the cabins where she can't um have children, and so there's just like this empty cabin that they go to, and it's just like uh, Demeter. Metis is her name. Metis? That's not the one I'm thinking of. So um, there's a different one. But there's they, a history they... major listening in on this and just going, <laughs> damn. So mad. And what's They're... worse is one is of my Themis? friends. No. Is it? Man. And we're probably butchering some of these names too. <laughs> uh, I have a friend who's a history major and I'm like, I'm not going to tell him to listen to this podcast. Uh, Hestia. Hestia. There we the go. virgin goddess of the hearth and home. There and so go. she can't have kids and there's a whole part that has to deal with her. And so it's very interesting um, to deal with that of her grief of not being able to have children, but also not being respected because of that. And, you know, I think that the show is there's so much room to explore this, but they deal a really good job with the grief 
of you know there, there's a few different layers here of grief and I, it seems like a lot of things deal with grief right now but i think it's such a universal concept that everybody's kind of going through as we went through a pandemic together we've lost people we've lost our sense of norm uh you know being normal and what normal life is and having to find a, a, a new coming together i mean that's what brought us together half of us probably wouldn't even be writing for the website if it wasn't for the fact that we were all stuck in our house and bored and we yeah. built a community and you know so everything that is different and changing is is it's a grief process sorry you know anthony you moving you're gonna grieve and that's that's totally normal and you see these kids do it and i think it makes it a little more like if these kids can do it and continue on maybe so can i so i think that there's some there's some hope to that too i think that was all excellently said thank you i will have a cosmic psychologist podcast coming soon no i hope <laughs> um, so do we have a favorite monster is there a favorite monster that we have? What is the one from the um the arc, the the arch? The chimera. Oh, that was so beautiful. The VFX on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How I'm, is I'm, this a, a budget of twelve to fifteen per episode? I do not know. It's mind blowing. It just looks so so good. And again, like I think of the VFX from Xena and Hercules, and how bad that looked. And <laughs> I mean, it was it was nineties, right? But like still. So I love that we just... both grew up on that because I totally watched that. <laughs> I love, I've I've had a crush on Lucy Lawless for the longest time, and I'm gonna make a weird connection here. But funny thing is, Megan Mullally is in this show. She is married to Nick Offerman. Oh, and Nick in... Offerman in Parks and Rec was married to Lucy Lawless in that show. <laughs> and That's his ex-wife was Megan Mullally in that show. <laughs> But it's his actual wife since 2003. They've been married yeah. for 20 plus years. I know. But, but I love that because I'm like, why the hell did y'all not cast Nick for anything? I'm sorry. There, sh- there could have been something, anything. There's he could have done something. Time. And there, that's what I was I thinking. Mean, there, there's there's got to be some other gods that haven't been introduced. I'm like, they have to put them in there somewhere because that'd be hilarious. Oh, who would you cast them as? Quick switch of the question. <laughs> no, no, I don't have that ready. <laughs> I don't. Have oh, any. come on. Um, what what is the oh he would have been a, you know what I'm funny he would have been a good Hephaestus because he's a craftsman uh missed opportunity I think that he would have been, been Dionysus oh he would have been a funny one too because he can be super serious but then absolutely at the same time be comedic yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay favorite <laughs> monsters guys favorite monsters M- I... Minotaur I mean classic simple it looked good it's right from the get go still beautiful too they did a all great of them. job. All the of them look great, but I mean, personal. Yeah. I'm so I'm gonna. Uh, is she a monster? Is she not a monster? I think that this show. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it asks, it asks I, the but that's the thing. That's exactly the question, and that's what I makes changed it so my mind. Right. Uh, I want both. I can't have it all. Exactly. Because I think it depends on if you look at her as a monster or not, and I didn't, and so I think I didn't, I didn't. count her. I didn't even think of it. You, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. That's the beauty of that episode, right? It made me sympathize with a woman who it turns people her. exactly, and that's not an easy, like, an easy feat. Feat. Another thing I liked from the revelation of that episode, also with Aries in this last week's episode, is how they say, "Hey, look, as much as you've used them as gods, they can be some real pieces of work, man." Mm-hmm. There's, they, they're. They they ignore you. They actively conspire against you. They go to war. They go to war. They ignore things. And and seeing Ares repeat that after having Medusa said it a couple episodes back was really nice because he's a god himself and he's even saying, hey, hey, let me be real about this. We're not like the best people around. Mm -hmm. And you already learned that. But getting that confirmation from one of them is like, yeah. I have a bad feeling about how we're going to proceed with these gods as time moves forward. Do you know my favorite moment, since we all love Aries, like my favorite moment with Aries and Grover is where Grover is saying, no, no, I'm such a big fan. And like he says, the lobster war, like among the greatest yeah. hits. And that was like a real thing. And I just thought like, okay, Grover. Like, I really liked your subtle one. You know, <laughs> World War II is great and everything, but like that other one. <laughs> yeah. But um, my favorite part was when Aries just slapped his hand down because Grover's telling him, look, you know, everybody thinks Athena's so smart and it just, there's just that pause. And you're like, uh-oh, he's going to lose this shit. Thank you. She's always talking to that damn owl. And I couldn't stop laughing when he mentioned the owl because I totally forgot about that. But that was really funny. And the French uh, fries. 
there's so good it was such a great episode but no if i have to, if we're counting medusa she is my favorite villain because they did a great job and everybody who talked shit about jessica parker kennedy on the flash series eat your heart out this is it this is it she proved herself um eat your heart out so we are starting to run out of a little bit of time but we have a few more questions when hit too and we also have a cool activity that I'd like to do before we uh, we wrap on up. So we do, uh, let's see, where do we go from here? Let's talk about the fates. <laughs> so we saw the fates in episode five. Yo, they showed ladies. up. Yeah. And they were a little different than I, than I remember them in the books, but they were like, not as great. Not as crazy. No, no, they, no, no. There. They, they, they got it. I mean, the general idea. Yeah. The ladies. Well, Percy right. didn't see them, which was interesting. No, he but wasn't there. That's, yeah, but the this storyline is is in I believe an addition a, l- a little bit of an addition. It's mm-hmm. a little more emphasized where they're kind of prophesizing someone's going to die, and that ties into what we talk about. What do we think of them? Maybe are are they villains in a different way? Are they not because they're just trying to tell a story? They were a little creepy, and I don't know if that's just because the the one is from um, series unfortunate events where she played a villain. So like I was a little bit freaked out, but like what do we think of these fates? I'm going to jump in because like the fates are one of my favorite favorite things in Greek mythology so much so that I have like art in my house of of these old ladies like doing it not from Percy Jackson but like you know spinning and and snipping threads um Mm -hmm. so I just really love seeing them and I thought it was very interesting how Annabeth was the one who saw them because I think that was different than um the books at first and I don't know I think someone's gonna die but you know it's mythology and you can go to Hades and retrieve people so absolutely and they do that a few times in the books you know hades is is a frequent flyer mile stoppage place whatever you call it a frequent stop the underworld <laughs> yeah absolutely what about you anthony what are your thoughts on seeing the fates standard greek fair standard okay I'm, I'm, the fates appear i mean they're they're a constant they're the nick fury of greek mythology all connected what? And then one last question before we do our fun activity. If you have read the books or seen the movies, do we think that this book series is, I mean, this TV series is going to stay true to who stole the bolt? Or do you think they're going to change it to try to trip people up? I didn't even think of this, Isla, until you posed this question. And then I was like, is that something that they would do? And now that's all I can think about this entire episode. (laughs) At best, they give us a switch up, making us think that for a moment, but then they stick with it. They're hinting at it so strong, I, like with the shoes and with you know him giving Luke giving the shoes to the the, the questers. I don't know, and I, I don't trust that they won't switch it up. But I think it might be the same. If if they're gonna switch it, who do you think it's gonna be, Isla? Oh, I don't know. I honestly have no <laughs> idea. Okay. Larissa. Um. Cassandra, no. Clarice LaRue. Clarice, Clarice. yeah, sorry. Clarice. Clarice? Clarice? I thought it was Clarice. LaRue, yeah. Um, I do want, that also feels too... On the nose. Too on the nose. I'm wondering if it's going to be one of the gods. Ooh! I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. Wasn't it Aries? Technically. Yeah, so... Yes, it was Aries. But, well, here's the thing. Another reason why I think they're just going to stick with it, but give like a fake, that's what I'm saying, like a fake, like a trick play or something, is because he looks at Grover and says, look, you and I both know he didn't steal that. And then Grover's like, what happens when you tell him you caught the thief? And then he, even Aries was like, hold on, how do you know who the thief is? Because Aries clearly knows. He just doesn't Mm want to give it away too much. But he's not as clever as he thinks. There's a lot of find... body language that's sold mm-hmm. in that episode. Are we going to find out in the next episode who Grover... Because if Grover knows, it's probably right. Probably. And he says at the end of the episode, he says, I know who's still the lightning bolt. I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like it was something they were going to hide to the end, but it would be interesting instead if we got a part of the show up from the perspective of that storyline. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like a flashback into... Mm-hmm. Episode seven, Disney loves a flashback in episode, the second to last episode. That's true. All right, guys. Are you ready for our test? 
Let's do it. I have to. So do you want to explain what the test is? Absolutely. So one of the questions, listeners, that I had posed is what house, what cabin we would be in if we were at Camp Half-Blood. Anthony found a quiz. So we're going to find out and we're going to see if we all agree with it. And you're going to listen to us do this because you're here for the ride and we appreciate that. Um, so I'm thinking what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the question and then we're going to choose. Do, does everybody want to say their answers or do you just want to choose and move on? We'll just choose like you know, okay. just say the answer thing. We'll click them, and then we'll all just tally okay. and see what we all get. Yeah. Okay. okay. First Sorry. question is: Choose a weapon to fight the Titans, and our answers are bow and arrow, sword, knife, magic, shield, spear, or ready with the medical aid or strength. Number two: Choose something to control: water, earth, fire, air, plants, outer space, time, or appearance. Question three: Pick a main character to fight with you, Percy. Annabeth, Luke, Grover, Nico D'Angelo. If people don't know that, that is someone from the second series. Talia Grace. I don't need anyone. I work alone. Oh, this is a good one. It's like a deep cut. It's it's a good good set of uh, questions. I liked it. Mm, okay. I had to really think there for a second. Pick a side character to fight with you. Clarice LaRue, Tyson, Rachel Elizabeth Dare, Selena Beauregard, the Stoll Brothers, or Charles Beckendorf? Oh, this is another good one. They're good questions. I saw it. I'm like, we got to okay. do this. <laughs> okay. Who? Thanks, BuzzFeed, for this. <laughs> yes. For this. We, we'll post it in the show notes, and then you should Absolutely. respond and tell us what you got. Absolutely. Who is your least favorite Greek god or goddess? That and is the, such a good they, question. They list all of them. Pretty much. Hades, Zeus, Ares, Hera, Poseidon, Aphrodite, Artemis, Athena. I despise them all or I love them all. Ooh, that's I that would be a great I know. question. That is a good question. I cheated and I went ahead and I am surprised. You're you're okay, you're allowed to. <laughs> Choose a power to have ability to fly, speak to animals, invincibility, control water, make plants grow, know every fact in the world, see the future, or control minds. The next one is, what monster do you think you could beat? The Minotaur, Hydra, Medusa, any Titan, a Manicor, Chimera, Cyclops, and how would you say that last one, people? In, uh, is it it's is it skillet? No, it's not skillet. Impuse. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Impuse. Let's go with that. Yeah, let's go with that. Okay, pick one that you are gonna beat, Anthony. Next question. Which monster would you lose to? The Fury? The Furies? You, we're not going to read this one. These things are too hard. Just pick one, people. You know Next who one I wanna, is... I want to see Lizzie's. I think we need oh. to... Yes. No, yes. I want everybody's. I want everybody. <laughs> oh, we're making the group do this. <laughs> Where would you end up in the underworld? The Fields of Punishment. I'm a terrible person. Elysium. <laughs> Fields of a pot. Uh, how do you say that word? Asphodel. Asphodel. I didn't do much. Isles of the Blessed. I achieved greatness every time. I have to let the judges decide. None of them. I never die. Man, this is a question that's really. <laughs> this could be hurtful. Yeah, they're not going to believe the one I got. All right. Choose a camp. Camp Half Blood. <laughs> camp, camp Juniper. I'm not a demigod. Who needs a camp? Describe yourself, and they are caring, loyal, determined, smart, strong, powerful, uncertain, or beautiful. All right, and we should have got an answer somewhere. Yeah, once Who you click below, it'll fill in. Red, <laughs> I'll go first. I got Kevin uh, Six, Athena. Yay, let's be buddies. No way, so did I. Family. <laughs> As a child of Athena, not only are you extremely smart, but you would prove essential in any battle. Point in case. <laughs> <laughs> totally okay with that. Okay. Now I have one last question before we wrap up. Do we agree with everybody's Athena here, or do we feel like there's somewhere else that maybe one of one another cabin that one of us belong in? I mean, I'm yeah. I'm gonna jump right in. I Brian, I think you belong in Hermes's cabin just because of one Manuel Miranda, but for no other reason. And your love of Broadway. Interesting. Okay, that's not the one I thought you would choose for me. Not at all. <laughs> Um, so I did have another one for Anthony. Anthony, Boy. I thought you should have been in his Festus because you seem like you are just very like 
practical and you can do a lot of things and like good with your hands and you know like I feel like that is a very good fit for you but I'm also know you're very smart so that's totally I'm totally okay with you being in Athena and it's funny because the one I had picked for myself Apollo Inter- okay okay um I thought for sure one of you was going to tell me I belonged in Aphrodite oh but I didn't even think that thank you that is so <laughs> kind so i think that we've had a lot of fun today we are going to put the quiz in the article so that you everybody can go ahead and let us know what cabin they belong to but um any final thank you buzzfeed any final thoughts on percy jackson i think that we might have a check-in at the end of the season um but anything for the first five episodes that you feel like you have not said that has not been said that needs to be said before we talk again in another three weeks I'm really excited to see them go to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Aren't we all? And with that, we are running out of time, but we'd Perfect. love to continue the conversation. So check us out at thecosmiccircus.com, or you can find us on Twitter and other social medias at My Cosmic Circus, or on our Cosmic Circus podcast Twitter at Cosmic Podcasts. Thank you again for tuning into the Cosmic Circle. My name is Brian Kitson, and you can find me on Twitter at Kitson301. Isla Anthony, it is always a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Before we go, can you please tell the listeners where they can find you? So I'm Isla Ruby, and you can find me on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it now, T-U-L-I-N Writes. And you can find my writing at thecosmiccircus.com. This is Anthony. You can find me at Rodoba underscore on Twitter or hang out with me on Discord where I'm typically always at. And of course, you can always find our writings right here at The Cosmic Circus. Um, Thank you again, everybody. We can't wait for our next trip through the cosmos.